0: Well, good morning. Uh, happy holidays to everyone. And, and while this is not officially the day that we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we, you know, we should celebrate his birth every day. Amen. So, uh, this is our Christmas service. Praise the Lord. Everybody is all beautifully colored and attired out there. and, And, uh, you know, we've had a wonderful time of worship. Those songs really ministered to me. I hope they did to you as well. And, um, and we're going to conclude the service with the time of communion and we have something very special, uh, for the kids, uh, at the end of the service. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that and, uh, and blessing the children. So, uh, let's go ahead and get into the word. Uh, join me in a brief word of prayer and, and we'll get into God's word. Um, uh, primarily will be in Luke chapter two today. Uh dear heavenly father, we thank you so much for the gift of your precious son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and savior. Lord, uh we thank you Lord that uh while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Uh which 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 speaks to your love and the salvation of God that's available to us not by merit, not by works, but by grace through faith, it is the gift of God. Hallelujah. Uh, bestowed upon men. And, and, and Lord, we give you glory and we give you praise as we honor you this morning. Uh, we pray that you are magnified in our hearts and minds, Lord. And, and that you are exalted in us and through us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, Luke chapter 2. We're going to start at the first verse. And it reads, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This is all the territories under Roman rule. Not everyone around the whole world, but everyone under Roman rule. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. I want to uh, stop there and address that last sentence there, uh, really the last couple of sentences there, because really, customarily over the years, we've drawn a picture in our mind of of, and I think it's from Bible, uh, from uh, children's church all the way up to adults. We get this picture in our minds that that Mary and Joseph were traveling, and they were on their way to Bethlehem. And and uh, and while they were traveling, she got, you know, she was with child. She was with child while they were traveling. And while they were traveling, it was time to have the baby, and so he needed to try and look for a hotel to get her into and and none of the innkeepers were allowing them in but that's not really what it says here what it says earlier it says he was going to Bethlehem right to be registered with Mary and it says and while they were there they made it there while they were there they made it to the city how long they were there we don't know days weeks months But they were there. They were no longer still traveling there while they were there. The time came for her to have the child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room or no place for them in the inn. And so, since he was laid in swaddling clothes and they laid him in a manger, you know, the picture in our mind has been developed that He was just giving birth in some barn on the side, you know, uh, on the way to Bethlehem. But but that really wasn't the case. And I know there have been sermons uh, where we've even uh, conjured up an innkeeper that's never mentioned in the story. And it's just some burly, mean guy with no Christmas in his heart. He's just a Grinch. And couldn't be bothered to make room because they probably didn't have money and whatever the reason is. We've uh, I've heard many messages where it says, "Hey, let's." The the intent of the message is to make room in your heart for Jesus. Don't be amongst those who won't make room for the Savior in their end. But I want to, and I probably should have put this on the screen. But uh, the word for "end" there. All right? It's katalima. It's K-A-T-A-L-Y-M-A. Katalima. It's only used a couple of other times in the Gospels. But the word katalima means guest chamber. Why it's translated in here, I don't know. Because... Uh, I'll show you in a little bit, but in a later chapter in the book of Luke, in chapter 22, it's the same word used when Jesus tells his disciples to go and prepare for the Passover. And they ask him, where will we go? And he tells them, and, and I don't want to get before, but there is another, the same gospel writer, Luke. Uses this word and is translated into English as something totally different than what is translated here. But it's the same word, and I believe in the later chapter it's it's correctly translated here in English, not so much, right? And so, and I think that affects the interpretation of how this story plays out. But it is a guest chamber. Common in dwellings in the New Testament time. It wasn't a guest chamber in a hotel that was made for strangers. They had made it there. Very likely, more than likely, it is a guest chamber among friends or family. So when it says that there was no room in the inn, there was no room in the guest chamber of the dwelling that they were in. Remember, the census was being taken. Everybody was being registered. If you are a person with a fairly well-sized house and you got family coming into town, your house is probably full. And the guest chamber of all places is going to have the biggest congregation of of people. In common in those uh in that time, you pretty much had the guest chamber is an upper part of the house dwelling. That's obviously where you entertain guests, friends, family. That's where you fellowshiped. The lower part of the house is where the family had more private, more private daily interactions. You 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 washed your clothes, your dishes, you know. Uh, just, just family stuff. So, and also at the lower part of that dwelling, it's, it's still a dwelling, a private dwelling. At the lower part of that dwelling, which was usually sloped, at the lower part is where they had their animals, storage room. It would not have been safe for the animals, or wise for those who didn't want to get their animals stolen to have a stable of animals uh any significant distance away from the house so it was typically a part of the dwelling on one end of the house so instead of it being an inn as in a hotel it is a guest chamber that was full and when she's about to have a baby she needs privacy And when you understand the meaning of that word and the way the house dwellings were laid out, then for privacy, instead of the guest chamber up upstairs, she's down in the family dwelling where the family has more private dealings. Down there is where a manger would be. So it wasn't really... That innkeepers wouldn't let her in, or there was no room for commercial renting of a, a commercially renting a place. It was making the best of a of 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 this situation. It's it's no different than what we would do in our times when we have, however size our house is, we have more visitors, more family and friends visiting than we have rooms in the house. Some people are gonna have to sleep on the couch, right? Some are going to have to have either a pallet or inflate a mattress and sleep on the floor, right? And and we can judge that, but it doesn't mean because you sleep on the pallet on the floor or you sleep on the couch that the family loves you any less than the ones who got a room, right? You're just doing what you can to accommodate your loved ones. And I think sometimes... We gotta interpret these stories and and realize it's not about us. It's not about our faults and failures. It's not about, uh, any innkeepers not making room for the Lord and Savior. This is about the birth of our Savior, who He is and what His birth represents to us. Right? He's the star of this. Right? It's not about anybody not making room for Him. It's about god's favor upon us the good news of the gospel his son coming down to make it about anything else is to miss the point right to make it about anything else is to miss the significance of this and so his very coming again his very coming was god's mercy his very coming was the grace of God upon us. Because the Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He came for us. Be, he came for a world that was lost. Are you hearing me? And know, I, I want us to really immerse ourselves into this story, but I want us to immerse ourselves into this story in truth. What does the Bible actually say and how much has been inferred and why has it and of that which has been inferred, has it been accurately interpreted? It may seem petty to you, but this is a big deal to me because it was important to Jesus that we be sanctified in truth. And he says, thy word is truth. And we don't need to doctor it up. We don't need to add any, any extra sauce to the story. We just need to let the story be what it is. And Luke is a very detailed writer. If it was a public hotel and, and, and the innkeepers were involved, he would have included that. But he never mentions anything about any exchange of money, never mention anything or they didn't have enough money to rent anything, never even mention an innkeeper. And I think a lot of times when we read scripture, we just have to make sure that we are rightly dividing it and let um, uh, let the scripture speak for itself. Because otherwise we'll interpret it and we'll hear the word in and then that word in to us, it's holiday in days in hotel, but that's, that, that's not how things were back then. Uh, I mentioned this earlier, so I'm going to reference it and then, uh, we'll get back. Go to Luke chapter 22. Um, I'm sure they'll have it on the screen. Uh, just verses seven to 13. I will give you one other instance in which this is, uh, Uh, mentioned in the bible same word trust me on that trust but verify through your own study but it says in the seventh verse then came the day of unleavened bread on which the passover lamb had to be sacrificed so jesus sent peter and john saying go and prepare the passover for us that we may eat it and they said to him where will you have us prepare it He said to them, behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell the master of the house. The teacher says to you, where is the guest room? All right. Catalama, same word. Where is the guest room or guest chamber? where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. So it gives some description about that guest room. And they went and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. So same book, same author, same word, Greek word, translated in one time, translated Guest room in another. It means guest room. I won't have you turn there, but in Luke 10, toward the latter part of the chapter, there's a story that most people in here will know as soon as I give the name of it. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. And we all know what happened to him, the unfortunate soul, man. Thieves beat him and took everything he had and left him half dead. And then this Samaritan comes along. And he aids him. He tends to his wounds. And the Bible says it takes him, he takes him to an inn. And he gives the innkeeper two denarii. And he tells him to take care of him. When I come back, whatever is owed, I'll pay it. Totally. Now, that word is translated in and is translated accurately. The Greek word for that is not katayama. It's not the same word. It is a a pendokion. And since this is not Greek class, I'm doing this for a reason, but uh, I'm not necessarily wanting to uh, teach Greek. Uh, I am totally unqualified to do that, uh, by the way. But the word used in Luke 10 in that story is a public dwelling that is rented out for strangers. That's the impression that we get from the story in Luke 2. But it's a totally different word, totally different context. And it is an inaccurate interpretation of that. Like I said, uh, Luke doesn't give, uh, details as to whose dwelling it is, but, but this dwelling in Luke 2 was not a dwelling for strangers. It was a dwelling for, for loved ones. It wasn't, they weren't strangers in that dwelling. They had people who cared for them there. And I think it, give, it should give a different emphasis or a different interpretation in our hearts that they ended up where, where they ended up when Mary had the baby. They weren't abandoned there. There was some thought and care There was some consideration. You couldn't have the baby in a guest chamber full of guests. There's some dignity. There's some privacy that is needed. Best thing we've got is the lower part of the home. Where we live our daily lives. The lower part of which is where... We keep our animals, we bring them in for the night, which contains a cha- which contains a manger, which would have been safer to lay the baby than anything would have been up on the chamber. I just wanted to wanted to point that out. I feel like it's such a precious event that should not be tainted with thoughts of, uh, you know, people's faults and judging and making it about anybody other than Jesus. This was a precious moment in a chaotic time where everybody is coming to be counted, to be registered so that they could be taxed. And everybody loves to be taxed, right? Uh, Let's go back to Luke chapter 2. not acting right okay we're back to Luke chapter 2 this is no hotel this is a private dwelling and while that is going on verse 8 and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And here's where we're going to start making this thing about Jesus. I love what the angel said. First, it says, Fear not. There's a lot of people today that are walking in constant fear. Fear about what the next moment will bring. Fear about how that how that next incident is going to turn out. Fear about next year. Fear about what's going to be their life in five years, ten years. Fear about the afterlife. Where do I go when I die? How do I know if I'm good with God or not? Is it something I can earn? If I get this salvation, can I lose it? It's all kinds of fear going on. The angel comes and the first thing he says is fear not. You know what? God has not given us the spirit of fear. I said God has not given us the spirit of fear. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. He says fear not. But why does he say fear not? Because I bring you good news. Of great joy that will be for all the people. Say all the people. Let's say it again. For all the people. And then he tells them why. For unto you is born this day. In the city of David. It gives three descriptors of this baby. Unto you is born this day. In the city of David, a savior. It's the scripture one. He's a savior who is Christ. He's the anointed one, the Messiah. And he says he's the Lord. That's good news. This is why we're celebrating. This is why there's joy to the world. The Lord has come. Our savior has come. The anointed one, the Messiah, the son of God has come. The Lord of all, the Lord of lords and the king of kings has come. And so he makes an amazing declaration. This king that is born. is reason enough for us to not walk in fear he has a name that is above every other name he has a name Jesus before which every knee will bow and every tongue proclaim that he is Lord to the glory of God the father amen And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swollen clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The birth of this baby was to bring about peace between God and man. He was born the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He was born to die for you and I. And that's why we rejoice. There's all of our righteous deeds are as filthy rags. Nothing that we could do could ever bring us peace with God. We were lost in our sins. And today we celebrate the birth of the one and only one who could take away the sins of the world. Who would become our sin substitute and pay the ugly price for our ugly sin that we might have peace with God. Are you hearing me? So we give glory to you, God, for our Prince of Peace, who took away our sins today. Let's read on. When the angels went away from them into heaven, The shepherds said to one another, what probably you and I would say, well, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And I really love the fact that of who God revealed these wonderful truths to. He didn't go into the temple to the Pharisees and Sadducees or go into the palaces where the kings and other royals were he went out into the field and proclaimed it to shepherds. Jesus, the son of God, wasn't born in a palace, wasn't born in a mansion. He was just born in a regular old home. down in the regular living area near where they keep their animals overnight. I guess we can call it a stable, but it certainly wasn't a barn that was separated from the house. It was all a part of the dwelling. He was born just like any other baby might be born. Here he is, the son of God. Here he is, the savior of the world. And he was just born like any commoner. I love that because it ministers to me that here he is, the king of kings and the lord of lords, entered into the world, just like a common baby, um, which speaks to me is that, yes, he represents me. He started like I started. His, his, His beginnings were as humble as mine. He gets me. He sees me. He can relate to me and to you. Are you hearing that? And he also is a symbol to us all. Humble beginnings don't mean humble endings, right? Here he is at such a humble beginning and yet he's exalted and he's seated at the right hand of the father. There's nothing too hard for God. And Jesus is the, I don't want to say, for lack of a better word, you talk about rags to riches stories. I believe this epitomizes that to some degree. You're born near a stable. Your first bed is a manger. A trough that animals eat out of, and yet you become someone who impacts the whole world, whose name whose whose name reverberates from generation to generation to generation, from millennia to millennia to millennia. This, this name of Jesus shall never be extinguished. Even though there has been many attempts to extinguish the name of Jesus, there's been many attempts all right, to disqualify him as who he said he is and it has withstood the test of time. He is who he said he is. He's the only begotten son of God. He is God come in the flesh, the son of God and the son of man, the Lord and savior of all. And, and there is through none other name can salvation come, but the name of Jesus. So they went to go see this thing that's happened that the Lord made known to them. We don't know their names. We know their occupation. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that it had been told them concerning this child. And here is an often looked over little verse in 18. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. If they were just in some barn On the side of the road and by themselves. Who is the all that heard it? They're in a dwelling. Others are there. They didn't have enough room left in the guest chamber above, so they're down in the lower part of the house. In a private, more private part of the house. But when this proclamation comes, these shepherds are excited. They're telling, it's not just Mary and Joseph. They're telling the story of what the angel said to them and what they saw and what they heard and all who were present. How many all? I don't know. I just know all means more than Joseph and Mary. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them you know it, it would have been so cool uh, I have no desire to be a shepherd but it would have been cool to have that experience to have the angels to see heaven open up and have the angels coming up there and talking and telling you you know uh, yeah it would have been, I would have probably freaked out too and my knees would have been shaking it would have been awesome to have the proclamation from the heavenly angels of the birth of our lord and savior and then to tell me where it happened and tell me how I can go lay my eyes upon this beautiful child and I bet there'd be many pharisees and sadducees and royals that would think man those people didn't deserve such an honor why would god do that because it's not about deserve There used to be a group, and I'm going to date myself here, but named Phillips, Craig, and Dean. I used to listen to, and I see some kids' parents nodding their heads like, "Yeah," and the kids were like, "I have no idea who that is." But they had a song that said, "His grace can go lower than your worst mistake," right? Right? I, I, I what I think God does through Luke here is He painstakingly goes through these little de- includes these little details just to make it absolutely sure, right? That that this Savior that is born, the salvation that is to come through Him, is 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 not something that you have to be in a clique to get. It's not something that you have to have a certain station in life to get. It's not something that's going to be deserved. It's not going to be something that can be earned. This is for everybody from the lowliest to the highest station in life. The message could have gotten out. Faster, and it could have covered ground, a wider ground, faster, if the right people were in on it from the beginning. But that wasn't God's objective. At some point, we were all going to read these accounts. At some point, the gospel was going to be spread, and it was going to it was going to go forth, and that gospel it was going to be made clear. That, that gospel wasn't just for the people of Israel, the Jews, it was going to be for the Gentiles. It's for the whole world. There's nobody that's too low for God. You know, there, there's no past that is too dirty for Jesus, right? He's, he's in this stable. You've got animal poop and who knows. What we, what we can't duplicate when we read these things is the smells. We sanctified in our minds you know, it's probably a, a dank, dirty looking place that's smelly and everything, you know, Uh not anything close to the standards that we would expect. We could be, we could be benefiting from the kindness of a relative or a friend because we had nowhere else to go and they've kind of let us into our house and we could still be judgmental and consider the place a dump even though we're not paying a dime. We have to watch out for that, right? But this place, the Savior was born, it wasn't a sanitized hospital. Wasn't being waited on hand and foot by chambermaids. He was born in as low a place as you can be born in. And you may have been born on the the low side of the tracks. You may live in a rundown house that should probably be bulldozed. May not wear the best clothes. You may be looked upon by society as someone that society could best do without. And that could have a very negative impact on your self-esteem on how you see yourself what you think of yourself and your value and your worth so i want to encourage you today don't don't let others determine your well your worth the only one who has the right to determine your worth is the one who created you. The only one who has the right to determine your wealth is the one who gave all, even his very life, for you. And I I have a sports background and I never made it as a professional athlete. I know uh, Robert did. But it amazes me how people can sit on the couch, watch professionals play professional sports, and when a guy has a bad game, they're quick to say, oh, he's trash. All right? The couch potato is calling the pro trash. Right? And it's not, it doesn't just happen in sports as well. We can't just disagree with people. You get on message boards and you, you know, uh, it gets personal real quick. I don't just disagree with you. Your opinion's trash. You're trash. You have people who've lived to just get on boards and troll. Use social media platforms just to make people miserable and and if we are depending on likes how many likes our posts get how many retweets our comments get how many thumbs down and all that stuff if that's what's going to determine how we see ourselves then we're just going to be on a roller coaster life where we're just miserable all the time you know uh Mankind can be cruel. You know, I'm, I'm not much of a social media guy. I've said before, my, my wife runs my Facebook page, and she's done that for I don't know how many years now. And over the years, I have, my profile has changed. I've, I have uh, developed an interest in quilting. crocheting Pinterest uh, I still have a lot of friends from my high school days uh, back in Waxahachie and, and uh, uh, it just the the Facebook page only has my name on it it has my family on the profile picture but it only has my name on it and there's got to be some old football buddies of mine from my high school days that are wondering uh what kind of life changes I've been going through? <laughs> because my darling wife doesn't doesn't really want her own Facebook page, but she's having fun on mine. I haven't gotten any blowback yet, so uh, so so God's been good. But when I did do Facebook and do social media all the time, man, I really got immersed in it. I had more cyber fights than you can imagine and you know I uh, if, if there was a fight especially if it was theological uh, but it didn't have to just be th- theological it, it could be just about anything and I'd go into the forum and I'd have my sleeves rolled up and I was ready for it and I lived to, to just uh, especially those who were rude and those who you know, especially those who, I consider, who are considered, who were considered trolls, I live to just break them down and make them quit. God, God's done a healing work in me now, but but uh, I would just flip the tables on them and uh, and 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 do it respectfully, but I was relentless. And uh, that's what it took. But it took so much of my time doing that. And then they have those stupid games, uh, Farmville, and that I got hooked on, and and all that stuff where you have to manage your crops all the time, or to, this, to keep you on there for the opportunity for you to be engaged in the next fight, cyber fight. And finally, I just had to unplug. And that's when my wife took over, and and uh, my life has been better ever since, so now I can just I can go there every once in a blue moon and, and do a little something and then, and then, and then get out and let her continue to do her thing. All right, I digress. Let me get back get back on it. But the point I want to reiterate the point that I feel is being made here. All right? We are all treasured by God. Sadly, not everyone is going to accept the gift of salvation that Christ died to give us. The Bible says that, that the, the broad is the road. Broad and wide is the way that leads to destruction and many there go. But narrow is the way that leads to righteousness, to salvation and few go there. So uh, those are not specific numbers (laughs) but that tells me that the vast majority of people are going to choose the pathway to destruction and that's just a sad reality I beseech everyone here particularly if you don't know Jesus Jesus all right, the narrow road which is the road that is only through Christ Jesus and the cross is laid out for you and all you've got to do is bring yourself your junk your history the ugliness, all of that, just come as you are and just give yourself to Jesus. It doesn't matter what you have and what you don't have. The only thing that the Lord wants is you. The only thing he wants is your heart. You. Or what he treasures. Not what you can do for him. You. are who he treasures. You. are why the angels. Uh, uh, you are why the angels proclaim the birth of this son of God. You are the reason he came. You're the reason he was nailed to a cross and rose again on the third day. You are the reason the heavenly father sent him because he loves you. So it doesn't matter But people who don't respect you or appreciate you or love you say, because the God of your salvation has said to you through his word that you matter more than words can say. And if God say you're a treasure, who is man to say otherwise? I will conclude in 2nd Corinthians 8 verse 9 which says for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. And that doesn't mean you're going to have money in the bank. But this is this this is, speaks of a spiritual truth. He came down from heaven, put on this sinful coat of flesh. Laid down all of his authority and and all that. He laid all that down and became sin for us. As 2 Corinthians says, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Right? So that by his, he who was rich became poor, that through his poverty you and I might become rich. You and I might become sons and daughters of God. Have peace with God have our names written in the Lamb's book of life. Never to be blotted out. Are you hearing me? That we may have eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. God would have been just and he would have been, he would, it would have been fair and just if he had just, uh, left us to our own devices and, uh, And destroyed us all. But that's not the heart of our God. And God, we give you praise and glory for that. Hallelujah. Uh, Bow your heads with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, to you be all glory and honor and praise. Oh, from our hearts, we worship your Lord and, and we're so grateful for the salvation that we have in Christ Jesus. Thank you. That though you were rich, rich, Lord Jesus, you were willing to become poor that we might be enriched by and through your poverty. Thank you for every soul that's listening. online and who is seated here today they're not here by accident they're not here by happenstance lord they're here lord by your divine will and according to your divine purpose they're meant to hear this today they were meant to join in and participate during the worship they were meant to hear this word of truth To know how much you love them. How much you esteem them. Demonstrated by your own actions. You didn't just say you love them in word. You demonstrated your love for us all indeed. Paying the ultimate price for our sins. And then the pièce de résistance, you did not stay dead, you did not stay in the tomb. You not only died for our sins, you proved you're the son of God being, by being raised from the dead on the third day. And being witnessed by many witnesses as you, were, as, as you ascended from this earthly realm into the heavenlies where you were seated by the right hand of the father. All of that proves proved once and for all without question that you are the Messiah. That you are the Prince of Peace. That you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That you are our Lord and Savior. The Christ. The Savior of the world. And so, Father God, I just pray that every heart here who was ministered to who, but who does not know you, has not yet bowed the knee and uh, confessed their sins and, and ask your uh, forgiveness that they might be reconciled with God. I pray that that decision is made. I pray that they find themselves... Saying to me, what must I do to be saved? I'm here. I I did not know God loved me like he does. I did not know he treasures me like he does. I I, I, I did not know this was available and for me. Now that I do, I want to be all in with Jesus. And I pray, Father God, That if such a person is here, whom you love dearly, and who I love dearly also, the heart of Christ in me. I I pray, Father God, that they act on that and I get the pleasure and privilege of leading them to Christ. And I pray that you would move on them. To not be concerned about the eyes watching and what others may be thinking. But to only focus on the God who created them. The God who sent his son to die on the cross for them. The God God who sent Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, their Redeemer. To give them peace with God. We thank you, Father. We give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.